The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Utah Symphony Utah Opera's Ghostlight Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look at the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm Carol Anderson. We're here today with several guests. We have Anne Lee, who is one of the cellists of the Utah Symphony, Yuki McQueen, violinist in the symphony and co-founder of the Haitian Orchestra Institute, and our very special guest, Jetro Joseph from Haiti from Port-au-Prince. He's a 17-year-old cellist who has participated in this uh, wonderful institute, and he's visiting our country for two months. Welcome, Jetro. Thank you. Hello. The mission of Bloom Haiti is really pretty special and amazing, and I did a lot of looking at the website. Bloom stands for? Building Leaders Using Music Education. And I love that it uses music education to develop leadership skills for young people in Haiti and to do much more than create just the next generation of musicians. So uh, tell me how you first became involved with this organization. So Janet, is the, Janet Anthony is the president of Bloom Haiti, and she's also a cellist. And she happened to study with the same cello teacher, as John Eckstein. They're both cellists. Uh, um, they and John Eckstein is the co-founder exactly. of the institute as well. But um, they studied at different times, but when you share a teacher, there's an immediate bond because you have some lots of common stuff in your music making. So John had known that Janet was going to Haiti for years, and, and she, he'd talk about it, but for the first time in 2016, he thought maybe we should actually try and help volunteer and, and go to Haiti because she was going every year for 20 years or so. And so it was you, it was John and James Hall, who is an oboist in the Utah Symphony. And so when you were there, what inspired you to create this institute then and make a bigger subgroup from this Bloom organization? Yeah, so we went as out of curiosity and to teach but then we were given a, a workload that we, we didn't know exactly how to handle. For example, I had to coach the cello, cello section or give a sectional to the basses. I didn't even know that they only used three fingers. Like I, I was telling them to do exercises and I was saying, no, one, two, three, four. And they were laughing, but they, <laughs> they couldn't, they were being polite. It was very awkward. Because violinists use all four fingers. Exactly. Use four fingers. So, so I was teaching people that I didn't really know how to teach. And after we left the summer camp, John and I were talking to each other saying, you know, we know so many people who are actually specialists at these instruments. And I bet they would enjoy coming to Haiti as much as we did. So that, that's kind of the genesis where we thought Haiti is an interesting place and the students are wonderful and... We know so many professional musicians. Why not bring them together? That's fabulous. And were you surprised at the response that you got when you invited your colleagues from the Utah Symphony to go? Yeah, pretty much everyone we asked said yes immediately, which is astounding. And this wasn't a freebie. They were paying their way, correct? Exactly. They were aware that they'd have to buy their own airfare and use their own vacation week and... Um, and teach for free, but everyone wanted to do it. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really fabulous, and I loved reading your blog about that. What kind of events are offered at the Orchestral Institute for these young students? Well, the setup is like a typical American summer camp, 
Um, this one happens to be only a week long, but we have private lessons and sectionals, meaning it, uh, the first violinists get together and practice their orchestra part, or the trumpets get together and learn their part together. And then there are orchestra rehearsals with the conductor, who happens to be our music director at the Utah Symphony, Terry Fisher, who, who also um, immediately said yes to coming to Haiti. We just have an amazing orchestra, I have to say. They're so generous. Yeah. What are some of the unusual obstacles that some of your students in Haiti have had to face? Well, when we were having the private lessons, my students would come in with a folder of really tattered Xerox copies of Xerox copies of Suzuki books that somebody brought years ago. And so I would mark up like, oh, well, let's try the third finger on that note and let's try the E string here. And then the next student would come back with the same folder. And I thought, wait a second, how are you going to retain your information if they're all sharing? But they didn't have their own music. So it, oh. it, it was shocking to me. Also, talking to some of the students, um, I asked them, so who's your teacher? They said, oh, I haven't had a teacher since 2009. And so these people identify as musicians, and they even teach others, but they really haven't had any instruction. <laughs> Nothing consistent yeah. over their time. YouTube or visiting teachers from the U.S. or Europe. But, yeah, it's incredible. So you can actually, they were actually looking at YouTube for information. Mm-hmm. Is that is that something you did, Jetro? Did you watch uh, YouTube videos to see? Yes, yeah, sometime. How did you decide to play the cello? The reason that's before I love music. From a child you loved it? Yes, I love music. And... I love uh, do sport also, and all day I decide to go to went to my church to play basketball. When I arrived, I saw a boy play one instrument I never saw before. This instrument, for me, is look like a big violin, and I try to approach I approached the man, the boy. When I arrived, I asked him, what is the name of this instrument? He told me, this is all cello. I tried to memorize the name. After, when I come, came back to my house, and I asked my mother, do you know how a school, a music school in my church? She told me, yes, I know that. Uh, do you want to play one instrument? I told my, I say my mother, yes, I want that. And she told me, okay, I want you play the big violin. And I, I told my mother, no, I won't play the cello. He told me, cello, no, big violin. <laughs> and she tried to explain me the big violin, and I saw this, is it, is it a cello? Oh, okay, give me a few weeks, I will register you and the music school. And how old were you when you started to play? Oh, 13 years old. 13, so four years. And um, what is your favorite music to play? Not all music, one book. Uh-huh. And because I never played this book before, 
now I so I need to play this book and I become love this book it's the black suite the black suites are beautiful pieces so have you started to learn those yes I start to learn and how do they sound Yuki coming along yeah that sounds really great That's he's great. currently working on the courant i don't know which courant and c major three courants fantastic yeah, fantastic sounding fluent very beautiful piece <laughs> yes i love the box suites i'm not a not a string player but i enjoy them so much um, oh and speaking of lack of sheet music um so we decided for the following year that we would gift all the musicians with etude books or important works for their instrument and for the cellists, we gave everyone the box suites. Oh, wonderful. So you have your own copy of that. Yes. You came and you visited Janet Anthony in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were talking about this earlier. What's the favorite thing you've tried since you've been here that was American food? Shrimp. Shrimp. Yes, I like shrimp. Yes. <laughs> seven time. I Today it's my seventh time. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> what is the most favorite thing you've done in Utah that's not related to music? C'est ton activité préférée en Utah, à part de la musique, des promenades. J'aime les promenades. Uh, les promenades. Yes. The I like the hiking. Hiking. Yeah. Yeah, les promenades. Yeah. Uh, where did you go? Did you go to, you went uh, to Arches, didn't you? Jazz and Arches. Jazz game. Jazz game. Okay. Because you love basketball. Yes. So um, what are some of the wonderful experiences you've had as a musician here in your trip? Oh, many, and like yesterday, I I have opportunity. I had opportunity to sit behind the cello and the rear so and a uh, Mr. Cherry Fisher gave me this opportunity. I like that. So you got to watch it all happen right in front, right in the middle of it. You were right in the middle of everything. Yes. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And I also want to congratulate you because you just learned to speak English last month. Is that not correct? Yes. So that's amazing. Anne, you've been a part of this um, very first one, right, in 2017. Did you have any really special stories that you'd want to share? Right. What, what, what did you feel like? What drew you to this event, to this experience? Yeah. Um, well, John... And Yuki had kind of told me about their experience in Haiti before, and I always found it really fascinating. So when they asked me, I jumped on board immediately because it just sounded like, I don't know why, but it just sounded like something I had to do. Um, and when we got there, you know, we had really no idea what to expect. And it was it was a little chaotic at first. I mean, it was the first time we, we, uh, Yuki and John were putting this together. But all the students were so open and willing to do and learn and play music. I think one of the most special uh, memories I have from that time is we were working on a Schubert symphony and we were doing a section also. All the cellists were sitting in a circle and we were struggling to find a way to um, make them understand the phrasing of one particular melody. And then John suggested, why don't we sing it? And they started singing, and it was honestly one of my like top ten most beautiful things I'd ever heard. Music was is clearly a part of their lives and their culture. 
And I know another challenge. I remember when you were going the last time in 2018, you were asking for instruments when possible, music to take, and you also took along a luthier. Now, can you tell, can you explain what a luthier does? And then how was that, why was that important to bring that along? Oh yeah, so a luthier is usually a string instrument repair person or even a maker. And we happen to take two amazing makers with us, um, John Paul Lucas and Evan Orman. Um, Evan specializes in bow making. And if you look at the Haitian students' bows, they're gummed up with dirt and oil, grease, all the bad things. Mm -hmm. And in the States, we get our bows rehaired. You know, a student will get it once a year or twice a year. Professional, maybe three or four times a year. But in any case, we, we keep it maintained. Theirs, they receive their instrument, and then it just stays the way it is until it's completely... No maintenance. It's like tar. Yeah. So, and there are a few people in Haiti who have learned from previous visitors how to rehair a bow, but there are so few of them and so many students. So teaching more people these skills has been very important. And then, so that's just the bow on the instrument side course it being very humid and tropical mm -hmm. cracks ungluing just normal wear and tear so um J uh, jp was able to help with training people on how to fix cracks and glue things back together stuff like that so unfortunately you had to cancel your plans for 2019 and you went i think you went anyway well, in a smaller group but what what are exciting things in store for 2020 Haiti has been going through a little bit of political rebirth right now. So there have been some strikes and demonstrations and, and problems. So last year we decided it was too risky to bring the whole group, but it was safe enough, we figured, because Janet was already there mm -hmm. on, on the ground uh, doing auditions for the HOI. So um, we trusted her and we just went and it was perfectly fine. Um, this year, the the manifestations or strikes have become a little more chaotic and a little more dangerous. So we're we're still kind of holding our breath and waiting to see if things calm down before we really commit to buying the mm -hmm. airline tickets. Um, but yes, we ha we have some wonderful things planned. Um, we commissioned a composer to compose a brand new work. He's a Haitian composer um, who is very active in Europe mm -hmm. and Northern America, um, Sidney Guillaume, and he's gonna write a piece for the HOR Orchestra to perform. That's really exciting. I know he, I saw that he's done a lot of choral music as well, but I can't, I'm excited that he's doing that. And uh, international piano star, Boris Giltberg from Russia, he heard about the project and loved it immediately and he offered to be soloist with the orchestra. So we didn't even have to beg him. He he just, he just volunteered. Yeah. And then uh, he he's also going to do a recital at the cathedral in Capetian. So Jetro, what is your dream? What do you want to be down the road? You're 17, so you've got a couple of years more of school, right? And then what do you want to do after that? I, I, want, I want continue with music. My dream and music. It's to be a professional cellist, a wonderful teacher also, to teach in my country because many young musicians, Asian, need help. My dream is to become a professional cellist. 
So a professional cellist and then bring that back to your country and help yes, other people. Yes, I, I want help some young like me and 80 because me, they like, they help me. So Yuki, where can our listeners go to find out more about the mission and vision of this program and also to offer support? Well, on Facebook, we do have a page called the Haitian Orchestra Institute, but it's it's sharing photos and video clips from the concerts themselves. When it comes to fundraising, we're in the process of becoming a nonprofit. But for the time being, the Utah Symphony has helped us a great deal by supporting us um, and letting us do fundraising through them. So if you go to the Utah Symphony website donation page, there's a drop-down menu, and one of them is the Haitian Orchestra Institute Fund. And we'll provide a link for that in the comments section on this podcast episode. So look for that. And where does this money go? This is a unique situation where 100% of the money goes directly to the airfare for the faculty from the Utah Symphony, as well as the housing for the students and the faculty and transportation for the students. So in other words, we don't have to pay office people to do this kind of thing for us. Everything is volunteer. So 100% of any money you donate goes directly to the Institute. That's fantastic. Well, Anne and Yuki, thank you for your generosity in working with this amazing group. And Jetro, I wish you all the best. I'm so pleased you came and joined us today. And uh, best of luck on your future endeavors as a cellist. Thank you all for being here. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced and edited by Robert Bedont. Be sure to visit utahsymphony.org and utahopera.org for more information on upcoming performances. If you're not already a seasoned subscriber, click on the tickets button to learn more about the benefits of being a part of our family of music lovers. The Utah Symphony and Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.